To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Benchwarmers Podcast, episode 109. Opinionated Benchwarmers are back to record another episode and talk what we talk best, and that is sports. Again, we appreciate all the support. Make sure that you're following the, the podcast on all our social media handles. That's Twitter and Instagram, O underscore Benchwarmers. And you can search us on Facebook at the Opinionated Benchwarmers. And if you're in Baton Rouge in New Orleans, catch us on the radio every Thursday, 9 a.m. to 12, as a part of the Simply Simone Show. On 99.1 FM, again, you can find us on 99.1 FM in Baton Rouge and New Orleans area. Hopefully, we'll become syndicated and be across the country. But for now, we'll just handle New Orleans and Baton Rouge. What's up, fellas? We're coming off a good weekend, uh, All-Star weekend. Um, when they hear this, it'll be going into another weekend. But still, we still have to discuss it. What's up? How y'all feeling? Feeling good, brother. Feeling good, man. Ready to rock the podcast. <laughs> you sound like my uncle. Feeling good, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sound a little less uncle-ish right here, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good as well, man. It's been a pretty uncle-ish. good day. That's a new one, bro. <laughs> what, would your, what, what would your uncle name be? Uncle what? Uncle? I don't know, bro. I got a good one for you, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's move on. So we're fresh off of NBA All-Star Weekend. There are a lot of things to discuss here. Uh, oh, man, I don't know where to begin, man. But we can start off with the with what they should remove out of All-Star Weekend. And I think we should. they should start off by – they they, they meant I, – I didn't think – I always thought that the uh, – the, I never understood the point of the skills challenge. But I never thought that the NBA could succeed in making this worse than what it already was. But whoever came up with this idea, they need to scrap it, okay? You got the Giannis brothers here, who obviously the most skilled one is Giannis Antetokounmpo out of all of the Antetokounmpo brothers. I guess the talent line just missed those two guys. And then you have, the, I guess you have to devote some some time to the, to the home team for the Cavs, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, and Darius Garland, and then you had the rookies, which they were just too cool for school. Uh, you had Kay Cunningham. Who else you had, Ramon? I forgot the other two guys. Uh, was it uh, – Was it Giddy? Was Giddy? Yeah, Josh Giddy. And Josh then, Giddy. Yeah, the third one was um, gosh, uh, Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes. Barnes. And those guys were too cool, too cool for school. And, of course, um, the Cavs ended up taking it. Jared Allen, Darius Garland, and – uh, Mobley, which is a very talented core for the Cavs, which we'll get to in a minute, which really grew out in my gears. But I, I mean, can't just do it with the skills challenge. If they're not going to make it to where it was like dribbling around the cones and hitting the three point shot. And, you know, that was cool. But this format, it ain't it, man. It ain't it. Yeah, I wasn't impressed with it. You know, I, I think they just need to go back to the basics, as you said. Um, I just overall, I was not impressed with it. It wasn't entertaining. You know, I, I, the most entertaining thing I have to say was the All Star Game through the weekend. You know, out of, out of everything, was All Star Game. Yeah, uh, like you said, the format was just a, a little weird. Uh, I thought that too. It was even inconsistent with the way that they did tiebreakers in in an area like one. They did a little shoot off for a tiebreaker, which I still don't understand why Giannis chose the Nassis for that. Um, I, I just don't understand why the Nassis was the one shooting when he's probably the worst shooter out of three of them. Uh, but that's a whole nother thing. And then the, another tiebreaker was not even like performance-based. 
Like it was just weird and kind of clunky. And then for it to just come down to like the final part where really just a half court shot decided it. Um, I thought that splitting it up was just kind of weird and that they could have done a team dynamic, but let it be a team dynamic when it within the confines of the true like relay type of race. So uh, splitting it up was just a little weird. They could do away with the skills challenge. I mean, I think that they're trying to find what they what event needs to. They, I guess they're trying to make this night be at least three hours so they can get all their marketing money and commercials in and all this. But that is skills challenge. Ain't it? I'd rather see them do like a uh, have a couple of guys do like a one on one or something. Like I'd rather see one on one battles or something. Yeah. But oh, I know horse. the top dogs. On, yeah. Horse, too. That's an option. Yeah. I like horse. or. Uh, Maybe three on three with like just massive superstars, something, man. This this skills challenge ain't it, man. They got to go back to the drawing board. So then after dreading it through that, we went to the three point contest, which had only a select few of great three point shooters in it. I mean, I didn't. All right, I'm maybe I'm being a Debbie Downer. Maybe I shouldn't lead off, but uh, I'll often. Um, Carl Anthony Towns wanted best three, I guess best big man three-point shooter in the league. I mean, he's earned that right. I mean, after taking it all. But, I, I mean, I, the three-point contest was okay. It wasn't really it wasn't really that exciting as it has been in past years. Uh, I, would, I would actually slightly disagree with that. Uh, I felt that, you know, it was pretty exciting to me. It was pretty competitive. You know, you saw – uh, final round where it came down to Carthony Towns were putting up 29 and, and Trey Young and also um, Trey Young putting up 26 and Luke Kennard putting up 26. Like I thought that it was pretty competitive throughout. To me, you did, even though you didn't have like the biggest names, like a Steph Curry that you're used to or seeing like a Clay Thompson be in it. I thought that you still had pretty relevant names. You know, you still had a guy like a CJ McCullum. I mean, Car Anthony Towns is an all-star. You uh, had a shooter like Trey Young. You know, to me, you still had relevant names. And I thought that it was relatively competitive. So I would venture to disagree a little bit. Like, I felt that that was the, the bright spot of the night. You know, that might not be saying much, but it was still <laughs> the bright spot of the night. Yeah, I mean, I, I I enjoyed it. I didn't expect Carl Anthony Towns to win. I mean, you know, a big man really winning that contest really just shows where the game is going these days. But, um, you know, I, I really expected more out of Van Fleet. <laughs> he really disappointed, you know. He was just – that was just not – Desmond Bain, you know, you get your big shot right now and a step up. He disappointed. It's like this is your opportunity to make a name for yourself, and these guys just kind of – you know, like a, a Van, I mean, I'm sorry, like a Desmond Bain. Van, uh, Fred Van Fleet is more um, established than uh, Bain, obviously. But I was just, I mean, it was, I'm kind of leaving in, in the middle. It was okay. I wasn't like, oh, my gosh, you know, where it was like, yeah, that's like you know what I'm saying? It was, it, I felt like it was okay, you know. I share that sentiment. I, but yeah, I do, yeah. I, I agree with Ramon, too, though. It was the highlight of the, my, of the night compared to like like he said it wasn't much to compare for so so lastly we wrap up the night which was supposed to be the finale the the dunk contest which is supposed to be the main event you had um who we had ob Toppin, we had cole anthony we had jalen green from the houston rockets and one tuscone toscano toscano anderson I mean, I, I don't know. It's not much to talk about there, but how bad it was. That was probably the worst dunk contest I've probably seen. I've seen some pretty boring ones, bad ones, but this one took the cake, man. You got Jalen Green, who literally tried to dunk the ball, literally missed it 10 times. Like, I'm not exaggerating. If I'm exaggerating, let me know, but he missed at least 10 times. This is the first round before – he had a successful attempt. You even saw the you, you saw the camera pan away to uh, to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who who was so sick of it. He just grabbed his coat and was walking out as Jalen Green struggles to make his first dunk of the night. I mean, it was it was a pretty it was a pretty lukewarm performance. I mean, most of these guys I would think you know are in-game dunkers. I don't I didn't understand why one was in it at all, honestly. Like I don't I don't understand. Like I don't even know I correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't 
I don't visualize him being a walking highlight reel. Um, I understood Jalen Green because he's a good in-game dunker. Uh, Cole Anthony, I didn't understand either. It's not like he he's a dunker, but he's not like, you know, just, you know, the, the most talented jumper in this game was Obi Toppin, and Obi Toppin would not flush the ball. He had some pretty remarkable or uh, creative dunks, but he just wasn't flushing it. But I feel like Obi was the one that I could understand being in the, in the, in the contest. But I mean, if nobody wants to do it, I mean, you see, Ja don't want to do it. You know, um, Zion didn't want to do it when he was healthy. I mean, if, if the stars who can jump don't want to do it, I think this is the result that you get. Yeah. I think, you know, you look at the dunk contest it's hard, you know, it's like you do this so many years and then we in a, a era where everything is on your phone. Everything is being posted on YouTube. Everything's been posted on Instagram highlights. People just playing around where we're seeing more amazing dunks from a, a street dunker or somebody off the street. You know, it's it's hard to have that shock factor is what I'm trying to say now these days. Um, you know, besides, especially when you have Zach Levine, you know, and Aaron Gordon and when the show they put on right back and forth, it's hard to kind of bring that type of energy back you know, each year. It, I, I just feel like it's not going to happen every year. It's going to be hit or miss until, you know, you get some real dunkers in there, some guys that can really jump out the building. Until we do that, I would love to see a guy like uh, Anthony Edwards in it, you know, for the Timberwolves. Why didn't he? He's a still up-and-coming guy. He's trying to establish himself. He didn't win rookie of the year. He didn't get go to the All-Star game. Lamelo did. Lamelo won rookie of the year. Lamelo went to – the all-star game why isn't anthony edwards who a guy that can jump out the building who's dunked over guys and did everything else why isn't he in that type of contest making a name for himself putting himself out there no he didn't get invited to the all-star game but that's the type of event that he needs to be a part of and we all know he could dunk but whatever too you know again i'm with you on that route like i just didn't understand the choices maybe it just came down to whoever would take an invite that's kind of what it felt like but mm-hmm. it is what it is yeah, uh, I, I would say uh, just feedback right quick on the uh, Edwards piece. I definitely agree with you on that. One thing I will say is that he did come out publicly and say uh, that he's an in-game dunker. So he said that he's not really a dunk contest type of guy, that he's more of an in-game dunker. Uh, I think the one that to me honestly was the most important, uh, disappointing, let me say the most disappointing was Jalen Green. Um, and I say it from this regard, I believe that he is a true leaper. Like, Jalen Green can can leap with the best of them, even some of the best of them that we've seen in the dunk contest. And I think that he got stuck on a dunk that was not working for him. I felt that he should have pivoted away from that sooner. And just all he had to do was kind of a regular acceptable dunk to even, you know, advance to the next round in, in the way that the competition was. So I just thought, you know, once again, it, it definitely was a dud this year. Uh, we've seen so many creative dunks that it does get difficult to try to one up every year and and, and be better. Uh, but, you know, it's just one of those things that the dunk contest is in a is in a tough spot. Uh, hopefully it can redeem itself. You know, maybe we can get back to the, the good days after that debacle Saturday night. I had to go back and watch the 2016 dunk contest to kind of get a good feel of a dunk contest again. Of course, we know that's the Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon. Uh, year so you know like Lowe said I think it's going to be cyclical uh, but you know it just was definitely a tough year for it yeah for sure I, I think that it, it's become cool for guys not to compete in the dunk contest like when you look at Jai saying it'll cost this much to get me in it Zion had no interest in it you, you know he made a name out of being a high flyer since he was in middle school or high school you know, highlight reels after highlight reels. None of these guys seem like they want to compete these days. And, you know, if you don't have the stars in it, then, you know, you don't have much, much, you know, to do. Quick, quick question. You know, since the dunk contest was so trash and just kind of thinking about, you know, kind of history of dunk contest, I'm going to just put y'all on the spot right now. If you have four slots, four all-time slots, like anyone that you can choose, you know, for the dunk contest. And and when I say it, maybe along the lines, too, of guys who, you know, had good runs in the dunk contest or anything like that, or I'll just leave it open to anybody. If you could have four dunkers, all-time prime dunkers, who would you put in a dunk contest? Your choice of four guys. Ben yeah. Carter. 
Jane, oh, you going uh, first? Yeah. Vince Carter, Jason Richardson, MJ, and oh, so many good ones. Yeah. MJ. Yeah, I guess I'll put it. Uh gosh, I'll go. Um I I mean, I gotta go Nate Robinson. I mean, at his height and what he did. I mean, you got to give it to Nate. Nate got to be on an all-time list. But Kobe's a close five for me. Who you got? Yeah, I'm going to go Vince Carter, Michael Jordan, Dr. J, and Nate Robinson. Hey, y'all got some nice lists. Uh, I I guess for myself, I'll go Vince Carter. He got to be in there. Jason Richardson, like you mentioned. Like, I think people forget how he really dominated the dunk. (laughs) Like, he was different. Jay Rich was different. And then for me, it's the two guys that put on the show in 2016. Like, I think, yeah. to me, if I go for who has had the best overall dunk contest ever, uh-huh. it's Aaron Gordon, even though he didn't yeah. win. So Aaron I got to put got, him in there. He got and messed Zach, over twice. Right. And then Zach Levine is that guy. Like, so for me, I got to go Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon, uh, Jason Richardson, and then uh, Vince Carter as, as my okay. four in a dunk contest. Okay. I ain't mad at that. Yeah. I ain't mad at that at all. So, yeah, so that just to wrap up All-Star Weekend, I thought overall, um, of course, we got players in the media and you got players just being asked all types of questions, asking, you know, all kinds of stuff that has nothing to do with anything. But I think as Lakers fans and as LeBron fans can raise an eyebrow, of course, LeBron is kind of getting given hints that he's on the move again. Um, It kind of frustrated me. We talked about it offline. and I, you know, some of the comments that he made, you can understand him. He been said this before he came there to the Lakers that his dream would be to play with Bronny, his son. So he said, whatever, wherever Bronny is, that's where I want to go. I want to play with my son. Okay, I understand. I don't have no problem with that. But then he was asked about Cleveland, and you know, would it be a possibility of him coming back to Cleveland? And he was just saying that, hey, I'm going to leave that door open. Uh, you know, it's it's home. You know, I'm going to leave that door open. So. Y'all know how I feel about this, man. I, I always feel like LeBron, I was no disrespect to his resume. You know, he he he's a uh, top three in scoring right now, all time, uh, top five in rebounds, top 10 in assists. I mean, he's an all-time great. But when it comes down to intangibles as far as perseverance-wise, you know, there's always been that concern with me, you know, as a Kobe fan and what what I've seen out of Kobe and his mentality towards the game. But it seems to me, and I know I'm probably going to get nailed to the wall, but it seems to me when LeBron faces a little adversity, then he's always looking for his next move to get into a better situation. All right, so let's think about it. So when he left Cleveland the first time, that's understandable. They didn't get him any help. He created a situation in Miami. So in Miami, they was able, he was able to what he, I think they won two. They won two in Miami. And then once he started to see Dwayne Wade to decline, and once he started to see Bosch kind of was uh injury, then he looked for his next move. Then this narrative was created that he wanted to come home. Well, keep in mind at the time when he wanted to come home, Kyrie Irving was entering into his prime. Kevin Love at the time was a 2020 guy, you know, every night. So Cleveland, if Cleveland was brewing into being a contender. So he ended up going home and they're like, oh, it's so great. He won for Cleveland. He won Cleveland. Okay. So then there's rumblings about Kyrie, if you remember, that Kyrie was starting to get irritated about he wanted to shine. He wanted his own team. He felt like LeBron's shadow. He felt like he was in LeBron's shadow. He was tired of being in LeBron's shadow. So they won the championship. So that thing started being dismantled. And then, of course, he ends up in L.A., which was a better situation with us getting AD and everything. But it seems to me like now when you look at the Lakers, who are sub-500 team, it doesn't appear, even as a fan, that we're going to do anything this year. It appears that, you know, with Westbrook, nobody wants his contract. And nor is Rapalinka willing to leverage our future assets to get rid of Westbrook. It looks like he's hitting it on the move again. And I say this again, it, you know, the smoking screen is there. Okay. I want to go back home to Cleveland again, but think about it. 
we just saw Jared Allen and Darius Garland and Mobley compete in the skills challenge. <laughs> nah, jokes aside, those are very talented guys, very young guys, young core pieces who – and then once you get Colin Sexton back, who knows? Cleveland is a great landing spot and is a good team, a well-coached team. So, of course, LeBron wouldn't mind going to Cleveland. Would, would LeBron want to go to Cleveland if they was looking like the Sacramento Kings? Heck no. So it just seems to me and that it adds on to the narrative that when things get tough, LeBron is not going to sit it out. LeBron is going to look for a way out. And, you know, just him looking on how he looks on the bench, how he looked when, when AD went out again, you know, just looking despondent, looking like he's, he's you know, sick. You know, it, I just – I don't know. I, I just can't get with that, man. It just seems like when things get rough, he's looking for a way out. And that's what he's that's what it seems like he's doing. Now. He's building that narrative right now. Yeah, uh, I'll respond to that because I'm you know, we talked about a little bit off 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 air. Um, I'm a little bit in disagreement with the whole thought process behind it, just because I feel like um you know let's let's just take a, the conversation that the, all that sparked this you know the question was hey you know would you consider coming back to cleveland and lebron in so many words said no i wouldn't close the door on that you know as a guy that's in cleveland right during the all-star break that's from cleveland you know he has to say the pol politically correct thing Right. And then the politically correct thing is to make those fans feel like they have a chance so they can still love them. And my point, like I can can't see him saying, no, that ain't happened. I'm not coming back to Cleveland. He would never say that, you know. And so to that point, I'm thinking, OK, he's just saying the right thing. No, I'm not closing the door, you know. And then to further move on with him, with the things getting tough, him jumping out. You know, I don't know if you guys saw the Super Bowl commercial with him and the younger version of himself. Right. You know, when he was talking to the younger version and he said, am I ready? He said, I can't tell you everything, but I can tell you that if you're going to make history, you have to call your own shots. And so he's been doing that his whole career, calling his own shots. And I respect it. He's doing it his own way. He changed the game and how players do it and controlling their own narrative. And I respect it. And for you, Rob, I just feel like you that old school mindset, get off my lawn type of guy. You, you have this Kobe mindset because of Kobe and how Kobe did it. You feel as if stick with the team through the thin and the, the toughness. That's just not LeBron's path. Whether that's right or wrong, I respect it, you know, because he's doing it his way and nobody else is doing it his way. He's going to find a situation where it's better for him, whether it's my team and the Lakers, I'm taking the home route of it and him eventually leaving, that's going to suck. But he's doing it his way. And I just respect him for that. Uh, I would say to, to chime in on it, I definitely see both perspectives, you know, because I've sat at the place before too, being that get off my lawn, you know, type of guy, you know, I've sat with that old school mentality. Uh, but the more that I that I take a step back from it and really look at it, you know, I see as Lowe's mentioned him just taking control of the narrative, him taking control of his career, him not putting his career in an owner's hands, him not putting his career in a GM's hands. You know, I see LeBron, to me, embodies in the NBA what millennials embody in the workforce. You know, people forget and people look at, say, millennials, and a lot of times they think of who, you know, Gen uh, Zers are at this point, and they think just young adults that's in the low 20s. That's not millennials. Like, LeBron is in that millennial age range. We are millennials. And so just like if you look at how millennials have changed what the workforce looks like, They've changed that mentality of, hey, I'm going to sit at this job. I'm going to be here for 40 years. I'm going to work. I'm going to grind right here. I'm going to work my way up in this spot. Millennials have been mobile in the workforce. And I think that, honestly, LeBron has applied that to the NBA. I think that sometimes we sit in seats and we expect athletes to be different than who we are as individuals in our lives. This is LeBron's profession. Like, this is his career. This is what he does. And so in our careers, often we're looking to put ourselves. I know our careers aren't totally apples to apples. I know it's not the same exactly, but we're looking to position ourselves in the best possible place that we see fit. And I think that honestly, that's what he's done. 
Now, do I agree that at times it's been narrative based to make it seem like something is not, you know, to make it seem like you that, mentioned that's the what glorious. My problem. Yeah, that's yeah. my problem lies. Yeah, I think it has been narrative based to seem old, oh, a glorious homecoming to Cleveland. When you do see things falling apart in Miami, I do think that those kind of things were kind of convenient to make it look like that. I would like to see you be a little bit more straightforward about it, but I have no problem with the moves. It's more so the methods behind the moves. And that's what, that's well articulated. And that's what I'm saying. Like you see things are falling apart in LA and the, no responsibility taken for how you, how you made LA. Everywhere LeBron goes, he has GM duties. And whether the team's franchise is gonna admit it or not. He got exactly who he wanted to play with him within the, the cap space. I'm sure Rob Palenka ran by every move that was made. Uh, now, you know, the trade deadline passed and Rob Palenka took a stand and wasn't able to, wasn't willing to leverage first round picks for the future for LeBron because partially because he knows LeBron is out the door if it's not going to work out. So you chose Westbrook. You know, we had we had deals on the table. We could have got Buddy Hill or we could have got a DeMar DeRozan who probably better fitted, fitted the team than Westbrook. But you wanted Westbrook. You know, you went and got AD. You know AD's uh, injury prone. Now, he did turn into a championship. He did turn into a championship ring. And I'm an AD fan. AD one of my favorite players in the league. But, you know, you chose AD. You know, so why when things are falling down, now you want to leave? I, I like Carlos, like that narrative of I took things into my own hand, that who doesn't respect that? But when you look at the X's and O's and the details and, and context of everything, I can't respect that. Yeah, uh, to just counter right quickly to your point, I, I definitely agree with you about how it is when things are falling apart and contributing to it and that whole piece that you mentioned right there about things that he's done and partnering with GMs, kind of pretty much orchestrating things and making the moves and how things, you know, start fading and going the wrong way. But what I will say still in totality, I think if you went to any of those organizations and they were able to see that full picture, I think they still take that period with LeBron James, no matter what that full picture looks like. You look and see what Miami was able to do in that run. I think that they still take those two championships and four finals runs if they had to do it all over again. Cleveland and what he did when he went back for them and winning a championship that nobody had done for them, I think they take all that comes along with it. Us, to be honest, as a franchise, for us to get LeBron to come in and restore kind of superstars looking at the Lakers in a certain type of way, Still in how everything looks right now in LeBron getting a championship to L.A. and restoring the glitz and glam, I still would take it. So I think still with all that being said, no matter how it looks or feels, I think that if you went to each owner, you went to each franchise, they still would take that period that they've been able to have. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, I, I'm grateful for the championship that LeBron gave us. I'm good with it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, just speaking on that, just and I'll say this shortly, every franchise this man is maneuvered to and moved to, he brought a championship to. So when I just say that. Yeah, but I still, I mean, that that overshadows the way this dude moving, man. That I know it's becoming accepting, but the way he moving and the narratives that said, I know that people are not gonna agree with me. But you know, directly just in context of everything I said, those are straight facts. And I mean. I don't know. I just I never liked that. I never was a fan of that with LeBron. Even when he came to L.A., you know, of course, I was happy like anybody else. And I'm not mad at L.A. He did his job. He got us a championship. He can go wherever he want to go. But just say you want to go somewhere else. Like, don't create this narrative to leave. He never said he wanted to leave. You are creating the narrative. You are creating literally you taking his words out of context and saying he want to leave. He literally said, I'm not closing the door. And that's 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 his right. That's the thing that LeBron does. He said, he says the table. He says the table so nice. But but call it how you want to call it, though, bro. This is your Lakers that is affecting. So yeah. now you're saying, no, man. Because he said, you wanted him to say something about the Lakers in that. I but that's not, this. This is what, not close the door. This is what I, I think. Changed. Yeah, this is what I think Rob is getting at. That basically Rob is saying, I see the tea leaves at this point. Like, it's not a thing. Of course, you know, we know what he didn't said and he didn't 
blankly come out and blatantly come out and say it. But I think Rob is basically trying to say from the way that history presents itself, I'm reading the tea leaves right now and I'm putting anybody that's listening to this pod on game that LeBron going to be out of here at a certain point. Yeah, I think that that's what he. For sure. For sure. And that's, that's what it is. LeBron, <laughs> you paying to the bench. is every, that halfway point, you a sub 110. He has that same look every year. You're like, okay, he about to leave after his contract up. Like, and he he's so slick. He's so slick that I can't like I sound like a hater right now. I sound but, like a I sound like the old man on my hey, line. Like that, think about that's it, what he's so good. He's so good at creating narratives. Think about it this he's way. So good at that. Think about it this way. Also, he's good at creating narratives, but he's also good at creating leverage and creating power. Why couldn't he be creating this to put Rob Lincoln in the corner of okay, now I gotta really be serious. This guy may be gone. He could. He's done that to. He's done that to Cleveland. He's done that in Miami. He creates leverage for himself. I, and he's done that his whole career. I I, I agree. Losa, Los, you know Losa, LeBron fan. Yeah. Wait, hold. <laughs> I agree with that, Los. But I do think in LA he has already had the power. Like the Lakers right. are a representation of what LeBron has won. Thank you. Right. I agree. But this past trade deadline. Rob Palenka, it's been it, you can look it up. He did not consult with them this trade deadline. He did not consult with them about that. They wanted the deal to be Wall in a first round. I'm sorry, uh, Russell in a first round pick for Wall. Palenka used his power and said no. Which again, why everybody's all frustrated with Rob Palenka. And so yeah, now LeBron right. is using this power now, saying, "Oh, leaving the door open. I want to play with my son." And saying all these little yeah. things and putting all these things out there. To get this leverage back, it can also be get leverage to still. He had the biggest franchise right now in the world, and had some power in there. He saw he's starting to see that his power is slipping away because Rob Lincoln knows that eventually he can't continue to involve Anthony Davis and LeBron James in deals and bringing guys in. You can't do that long term. You know what I'm saying? That's not yeah. gonna always work because you gotta let go of you know anthony davis at some point lebron gotta go at some point you know what i'm saying they may be in a deal at some point yeah and i and i and i i do you know i have seen those reports so i do you know agree with what you're saying there Uh, i think that this was probably the first time that it's ever been to a point that rob palinka's back was just up against the wall like it's to a point where the assets just really aren't there at this point and um i think rob in his mind was like okay i'm I'm just not gonna make this kind of this dumb move. Yeah, but, let's 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 know. trade for a younger Westbrook and lose two first round picks while we're at it. That's basically what we would have been doing. I agree with that. But the but my thing is too is that in this argument, I love how you argue like it's it's argument like like when I say this about the narrative controlling LeBron, the argument is circles around what I'm saying, like. Oh, well, he brought a championship everywhere he went. Oh, this, that, and other. I am talking about the, my frustration comes from LeBron. And me and Stephen, they share the same sentiment. He said it, is that he controls narratives, bro. He controls narratives to the point where, you know, it sounds like I'm hating or I'm, I'm far-fetched. Like, he does that so well. He's so good at that, man. No, I addressed with the part that you're saying with your narrative. You know, I just pretty much said, he just said, I'm not closing the door. And you took off with it. <laughs> he literally said, I'm oh, not closing come on, man. Get out of here. You said because of his history and because of all this all right. and X, Y, and Z, you're saying that he's controlling the narrative. So, so let's do this. Let's, 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 the narrative. let's rewind back to 2014. So when he left Miami to go back home to Cleveland, you you believe that he truly wanted to go back home? Or he, he was going back home because he knew Kyrie was there. They had talent. And they had cap space to get Kevin Love over, and they they will be a contender. Which one you believe? And then we can leave. Based on your answer on this, we can just move on. You know, um, how does that look? Go, go ahead, Ramon. Now, no, no, no. He want to hear for you because I, I agree with him on this narrative piece. <laughs> don't, wait, don't, wait, what I mean, I don't, I don't get. So how does that correlate to what he just? <laughs> no, what, because what Rob is saying is that basically he's controlling narrative so many times that he's been about to make a move or made a move so what rob is saying is that right now he's setting all of us up right now setting the narrative making it look a certain way and then he gonna come and, and make his typical move so rob is basically okay. saying he's looking okay. at former behavior to predict right. what the future is gonna look like 
Right. So he set himself up for success. Okay, cool. We in agreement with that. So you're saying he's going to end up back in Cleveland? No. Because that's where we're at. Is I, that where he's going to no, go? No. Answer my question. In 2014. I, no, I, I said I agree with you. I said that. I said that. But so, so you're saying he's going back to Cleveland. So you agree with me what? Like you agree that he went back? He, I, he, I agree that he went back and put himself in the best situation to win a championship. Yes, after the so Miami. nothing to do with him going home. With that narrative, okay, good. No, uh, so, no, no. I'm sure it has it, that played a part. It can be hand in hand. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be one or the other. I think everything lined up. The team was good, and he got the "I'm coming home." It can be the same thing. And then, here we here we go again. History that can be possible. You got Jared Allen over there. You got Mobile, who's up and coming rookie. Okay, so I'm asking you again. I'm back back to my question now. Is you think he's going back to Cleveland? Because that was that's where it all started. He said, I'm not closing the door. So answer that. He going back to Cleveland? No, I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to go back to Cleveland. No, no, no. No, but, that's what we're talking well, about. He's got his history. I, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question. Go ahead. I'm saying that he's not going to – he's leaving L.A. I don't know if he's going to go to Cleveland. But if he were to go to Cleveland, it ain't about him going back home. It's because Cleveland – you could debate that Cleveland has a better roster than the Lakers right now. I know we got one fit right real quick. I agree with that. I agree with that. But what I'm saying is this whole started with him setting the tea leaves and to go back to Cleveland. The question is, is he going back to Cleveland? Then I said it was all just him being saying the politically correct thing that he's not going back to Cleveland. So I'm asking you, are is he going back to Cleveland? Yes or no? Since you feel like you see the tea leaves. You see the future and what's happening. Is he going back to Cleveland? We can put it on pod you now. Playing record. LeBron right now. No, no, answer. No, answer. What I'm no, answer. Wait, so to answer your question, since I am in the room, do I believe he's going to go to Cleveland? I don't know. I can't answer that. Nor can anyone in the NBA answer that. But do I think he will leave LA? Yes, I do. And are one of those places that's on top of the list is Cleveland, yes. And do I feel like he's setting the table to end up in Cleveland? Yes. So I answered your question in, in four different ways. No, and that's why bro, you I directly what, answered it, bro. I you, did, this whole, I did this whole, answer it. This oh. whole debate was based on him setting tea leaves and his whole track record and what he do in the past. You can see what he's doing here. Then, okay, so if you no. see what he's doing, is he gonna, do you feel like he's going to do that? That's either yes That's or no. That's not the debate. The whole debate is about LeBron creating narratives. If he does go to Cleveland, majority of people like you, who's the rest of the world who are LeBron stands, are not going to are gonna justify it by saying, oh, he wanted to go home. But me not having any skin in the game or any reason to really hate on him, I respect him as a player, I'm going to say – it makes most basketball sense for him to go to Cleveland. Not that he wants to go back home and finish his career in Cleveland, but it makes sense because they have the talent in Cleveland. First of all, how do you don't have skin in the game? And you'll be literally leaving your Los Angeles Lakers. Because I've accepted love. that. He's done his job. He's delivered a championship to L.A. All I wanted, all I want is some transparency. And for this him is, this is, this is like we so, stupid. Real quick, Ramon, real quick. So what? Let's clear this up. What would you like him to say? He asked reporter asked him, "Hey, um, would you? Is there any chance you're coming back to Cleveland?" Oh uh, no, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't close the door on that. What would you? What would you like him to say to make you give you the warm and fuzzy? Wait, hold up, right quick, Lois. Lee Robin to it with your reporter voice again. <laughs> 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 ask, ask the question in your reporter voice. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, LeBron James, um. Uh, you know, is there any chance that you're going to come back to Cleveland? <laughs> what am I supposed to answer this? <laughs> yeah, I want you to answer so you can have a warm and fuzzy. What I'm saying is, if I'm playing... No, no, you're LeBron James. You answer like LeBron James. <laughs> okay. You have a pressure on you from Cleveland. I'm okay. You I'm at the All-Star break in Cleveland, you answer as LeBron James. So I'm LeBron James. I'm going to paint a narrative. I'm going I'm to I'm set the table. I know that Cleveland is on my radar of teams I want to be on. So, I'm, of course, I'm going to say I'm going to leave the door open. So you agree with him? I do not agree with him. Obviously. Okay. If it, no, I'm saying, if how would you like him to say, respond? And you're Rob, you LeBron James. How would you like him to respond? He responded in the best way that he could. And what I'm saying, 
That's what I'm saying, bro. I hate these LeBron <laughs> fans. I hate these LeBron fans because that's what LeBron no, do. But you know what? A, hey, but, know what I'm saying. But bro. hold on, to do it a little bit of justice, like if you go, you got to at least say the man could have said something else that you feel All like. Right. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like he could have said, "Right now, I'm in LA and I'm I'm a part of the LA Lakers. Of course, Cleveland is home. Of course, that I they always have a special place in my heart." And I never want to close my door or disrespect that opportunity. But right now I'm focused in LA. That that would have shut all that down. But I respect with you saying that I don't want to close that door and leave it at that, it's basically saying, like, oh hey, Cleveland, hey, hey, this is clear some space. Yeah, I, this is the thing about it. This is what we know. LeBron is gonna leave. And I think at this point, he's been it, it could be paying the narrative or whatever, but he's leaving all options open. And that's what we know. He's leaving all options open. He's going to leave. And so, I mean, he is being kind of whatever you can say, correct in saying that he wouldn't close that door. Cause I believe that any door is potentially open. And that's what I, we wrapping it up. And that's why, that's what I'm saying. Like it don't, don't sit up here and let know that too, bro. But, but LeBron is the master the master of narr- narrated creating. He loves to create narratives, and this is just another one. Anyway, let's wrap it up. So a part of that what made the All-Star game very, very special besides LeBron hitting the game-winning shot and leading his team to victory, but was the halftime show in the NBA revealing their, officially their top 75 players of all time, which LeBron is a part of. Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, all the greats, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, the list goes on. Um, but more importantly, ESPN released the top 10. I just wanted to kind of quickly get you guys thought on their top 10 NBA players of all time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I got some good names on my list, man. I don't know if my name's going to match y'all. what you thinking, man. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I didn't completely, obviously, agree with ESPN's list. Just off top, uh, definitely didn't fully agree with that list. And uh, I think it's interesting moment for us to take a look at it and, and kind of see where we have players in the landscape of things. Yeah. Yeah. So who's going to kick it off? Let's just go through our top 10. All right. So I, at 10, I got Hakeem Olajuwon. I can't really debate it too much, but at 10, and this may be controversial because people normally have them higher. I have Bill Russell at 10. Goodness gracious. Can you discuss this a little bit, please? Can Can you give some answers on this, bro? Well, this is the thing about it. I know that when we look at Bill Russell, you know, we look at the ultimate winner. We look at 11 championships in 13 seasons. Um, But what I do believe is that, honestly, the NBA was different at that time. You look at about that was a time where, especially from a playoff perspective, you didn't have the loaded field that you have in this day and time. You're looking at a league that had way fewer teams and a Celtics team that was just overly stacked. And so you look at Hall of Famers and Sam Jones and John Havlicek and Bob Cousy and just all the different guys, you had about, you know, six to seven or maybe eight guys on that Celtics team that were Hall of Famers. And so I do believe that to me, who Bill Russell was as a player is a little bit over glorified. And I hate to say it this way because he did so much for the game and so much off the court, but I believe on the court, that's a little bit over glorified. Um, I mean, when you look at a big that shot, you know, under 50% for his career, around 47%. You know, he's a big, he's playing close to the basket and he's not finishing over 50%, you know. And so just for me, I just think that people let the 11 rings, which are great, overshadow everything else. And to me, when I look at players, I look at totality. So rings mean something, but I'm a really skill focused type of guy when I evaluate players. So, Well, I'll start off with my number 10 with Oscar Robinson. Okay. I'm gonna roll right to my nine. I got the Larry Bird for mine. Okay, okay, I respect it. Uh, at nine, I got Tim Duncan, the big fundamental. Yeah, nine, I got Tim too. Hey, anybody writing this down by chance, just in case we wrote out a little list on our thing? Uh, let's see. Y'all write y'all's down and just, just okay, and then I'll send it to you. That's, yeah. that's good. Everybody All right, just write this down. Right at eight, I got Will Chamberlain. I respect it. At eight, I got uh, Larry Legend. That's why I got Larry Bird. Okay, we close on Larry. 
Number eight. eight. Number eight. I'm getting confused. <laughs> <laughs> you like? even got mixed up already. No three, three players in two. And he even lost track of everything. Bro, we're going <laughs> 10 to 1. I'm going to go 8. I'm going to go uh, I'm gonna go uh, Bill Russell in number 8. Okay. okay. At 7, I got Magic Johnson. Okay. Got Magic. Don't be disrespectful. I'm going to say this. I feel like Magic's career was cut short for obvious reasons. We know that. I feel like if Magic played a little bit more, um, I mean, he, I know he got the rings and all, but I feel like if he had some more years under him, I feel like I can move him into my top five of all time. I mean, it, it's going to always be tough with top tens. I definitely got Magic sitting a little bit higher than that. Uh, but people will argue that this guy maybe should sit higher. I have Wilt at seven. Yeah, yeah. Also, back on the magic thing, too, he is my highest point guard I have in my top 10. So, gotcha. top seven. All right. So, so, so uh, we on seven? Yep, seven. Seven? I'll go Larry Bird. Larry Legend. Okay. Legend. Larry Legend. All right. And I got at six, moving to six, I got Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal. Hey, I'm the same at six. I got Shaq sitting there as well. Nice. I got Wilt. Wilt still. And number six. Okay. Nice. And the top five. Here we are. <laughs> here we are. I got Bill Russell at five, man. I just think about, I know we talked about him a little bit. I just think about the rings. I think of all that. I got to put him in my top five for that reason and what he's done on and off the court. I got Shaquille O'Neal at number five, the most dominant big man of all time. Uh, when you look at what he did without shooting threes, he was just pure dominance. Um, when I look at the playoff MVPs, I mean, NBA Finals MVPs, he got three of them. Um, just an all-around legend. I think it's often forgotten what Shaq was able to do. Also being a very poor free throw shooter, still averaging over 30 points a game. But most of in his prime, he was at, during that championship run, definitely averaging 30 points a game. I see you kind of did the little hamburger method with Shaq, kind of threw in the little negative part in the middle. And dress it up again. <laughs> he couldn't shoot free throws, but he did average though. <laughs> but I'll go quickly. My my number five is, is Magic, and it's for just everything he meant to the game. I mean, Showtime, definitely number one point guard on my list. Six nine one, just running the show. Five time champ, three times Finals MVP, greatest passer to me of all time. You look at a guy that averaged, you know, almost twelve assists a game for his career. So I just think in the way that he lifted the game, I got Magic sitting at five. All right. And number four, I have Magic. So for the reasons that you mentioned, Ramon, so it's no reason. Okay. Okay. At four, I got uh, Kareem. Kareem, my man, Kareem can obviously be high on this list. And then I think ESPN got him at three. You know, you look at Kareem and the numbers that he put up in his career is just nuts, right? And so I got him at four on my list. And averaging 24.6 points a game in through his career and 11.2 rebounds and 3.6 assists. You know, I, again, it could be argued that he could be top two, top three, but I got him at four. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same. I, I have noticed something, Rob, you're going to have a, a tough finish to your list uh, based upon how you, I've heard you listing. <laughs> right. Somebody's going to be definitely on the outside. I need to start over. <laughs> I, need, I need to start over. <laughs> on the outside. First of all, I know you better not do that to, to the mama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come so, on, man. So, so I, I definitely know it's going to be a rough finish for you, Rob. But let man, me I'm go taking in. Tim off, man. Tim Duncan going off, bro. <laughs> Tim, Tim Duncan got to go off, bro. Yeah, but I'm going to say I had Kareem at four as well for everything that Los already mentioned, six-time champ, two-time finals MVP. If you look at just the totality of his whole basketball life, it's very arguable that, like, for totality, he could be the GOAT when you talk about college, what he did in high school and all that. But I have him sitting there four on my list, and it's our personal list, so, you know, I don't care what anybody else thinks. Right. <laughs> right. That's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> man okay so we're at what three three at three man i gotta start over man because kareem i got kareem though <laughs> a man over the sweat <laughs> <I know. laughs> come on man kareem 
<laughs> when I heard it, when I heard your list going and it got to like four, I say, you're going to have a one in one A over there trying to sneak it in. Nice. <laughs> All right, let's go. Uh, we're at number three. Yeah, number three. I go, I go Kareem. Uh, this the totality. It's like he almost had like two different careers when you think about the Bucks and the Lakers and just what he did with the Lakers and what he was able to do with the Bucks. I think he's the all-time leading scorer with the Bucks. Um, and I think Kobe took over for him with the Lakers. But just a, a very, very, um, a very, very decorated career. And you know, he, you know, it, Kareem was man, Kareem the dream, man. He he was raw, you know, when you look at his uh his talent level. So I got Kareem at three. I got uh Kobe Bean Bryant at three for me, man. Um it was tough, you know. Um, but ultimately Kobe, what he's done through his career, we all know the story. 20 years, one franchise, bringing uh four championships and you know, doing two with Shaq and then two without Shaq, you know, showing that he can do it without Shaq you know, and putting him up there. And when he finished his career, I believe he was top four, top three. In three. Scoring. three. He was top, top three, three when he finished when before finished, now. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, you look at that and just what he's done over the career and slam dunk contest and MVP awards and finals MVP, the things, the things that he's done speaks for himself. And we go on and on about the things that Kobe has done for the game. Uh I'm going to sound pretty biased when I say my number three. So I'm already preparing y'all for it at this point. And uh, I know I'll probably get some pushback on this, uh, but it is my list as I've stated. And uh, I have LeBron James at number three on my all-time list. Uh, We already know all the accolades with LeBron. Honestly, for most people, he's top two on a lot of people's lists or most people's lists, but personally on my list, I had to be true to myself. I almost went through this and said, you know, what What would everybody think and, you know, kind of what the pushback would be. But for me personally, uh, he's number three on my list. And part of it, like I say, I'm a guy that really uh, focuses on, you know, skill and eye test. And from a skill dynamic, you know, I got two guys that are above him. So I'm going to go ahead and say LeBron is number three on my personal list. Yeah. Number number two, I got I got Kobe. My favorite player of all time. Uh, I think he's all time great. When you look from a from a skill standpoint, footwork, defense, scoring, uh, post moves. You know, just you look at his his numbers. It epitomizes his career. Eight was valued in 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 athleticism and and grit. And then number twenty four was finesse, aging like Vino, like he always would say, just with the post work and and just the defense of his leadership. It's not said enough about what Kobe is uh, and what he means. Um, uh, let me just go ahead and finish off my list because I, I screwed it up. 1A, 1B. <laughs> I knew you were about to do that. <laughs> one, one A, 1A, of course, is MJ, and 1B is LeBron. Uh, LeBron, I, I, he no longer can be de- denied, no matter what the debate we had with, with Carlos. Uh, when you look at a guy who may finish his career in, in top, top 10, I mean top five in all categories, uh, I mean, it's hard to dispute him being the GOAT just statistically wise, no matter how you feel about him. Um, he, he's remarkable. And of course, MJ, what he's done for the league, I don't feel like anybody can really surpass that. He's a ghost at this point. He's where the league uh, magic handed it off to him and he's where the league is today. So, of course, MJ to me is the GOAT. Um, LeBron has a little ways to go. Uh, it, it remains to be seen what he's able to accomplish. Uh, I do think that if he is able to get another ring, he would make it very, very close in my mind. But right now, MJ is the top gun for me. Uh, one thing I'm going to say, Rob, we're going to let you officially, like, redo your list for what's going on Instagram. I'm going to just go ahead and let <laughs> Appreciate <the> know. <laughs> Appreciate it, bro. Because I knew you had uh, too many names for too few spots uh, right at the end of that list. Uh, so I, I, I think I, I know who I would take off, though. Yeah. So for number two, uh, I have Bean sitting there, too. Uh, like I said, part of this is partial bias, but it is my list. And I'm going to let my bias creep into this. But when I look at it, you know, for me, from a skill standpoint, I think arguably Kobe is the most skilled player that we've ever seen play this game. 
you know, and so I really value that. I value the eye test of players and eye test wise, you know, just for me, the Mamba was just, you know, on a different level from so many people throughout the course of his career. We all know the numbers. We know the 81 points. We know the outscoring a team by himself within, you know, three quarters. Uh, even the scoring machine, you know, people kind of, I think, downplay that sometimes of how much of a scorer Kobe was. But you look at the duration of his career. Kobe had 122 40-point games uh, in the duration of his career. If you combine LeBron and Steph Curry, they equal that number. Those two guys combined from a scoring standpoint. So, you know, I think that, you know, we can't overlook what Kobe did on both sides of the ball. This is a guy that was routinely first team all NBA and first team defense year in and year out. Um, and so I think that that's something that we can't look over throughout the course of his career. And just for me personally, you know, I had to put him there at two, you know, and when I think about what a lot of the, the former guys that played in that era that played before that era, they put Bean right up there, you know, with those other two guys that are mentioned uh, by most people in general, as far as analysts and stuff. But most guys that play the game have Kobe, you know, right there in that discussion. Uh, so I don't think it's too far off for me to put him right there as well. So I got him sitting at the two spot. All right, man. Uh, so I'm going to wrap up my two and one as well, like you guys did. Um, I'm going to go two with Michael Jordan. And number one is LeBron James as the all-time greatest player to ever do it. You guys probably know by now there's no shock that I already think LeBron James is the GOAT. Um, just statistically looking at what he's done and everything that Rob said and spoke on about as far as his numbers, you know, he's not, he's, he's going to have things that's going to be untouched. And God forbid if this guy find a way to get six championships, then it's really, it's never, it's never going to be an argument on who is the GOAT. You know, just just matching what Jordan did is not going to be an argument because this guy's going to he's going to literally finish with, you know, barring any injury, knock on wood, as the guy that has the most points ever in the league. He's going to pass that up, which is just amazing to even think about. And he's a guy that answered the bell. And, you know, and I talked we talked and I talked about the commercial that this guy um, was on. And he is one guy that lived up to the hype from the time that he was 18 and came into the league and the weight on his shoulders throughout his career, he's lived up to the hype. He's answered all the calls and he's bringing, you know, as I said before, bringing a championship to every, every franchise that he's touched, um, you know, just numbers wise, he, 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 you can't argue the numbers. You can't argue the numbers. And I just feel like he's there. So, you know, I know some of you guys love skill. I love numbers and the guys put the numbers up. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, to go off that, I mean, if, if we're talking numbers, because obviously, you know, my number one is MJ on this, you know, from a numbers perspective, I still think that there's a relative debate there. I mean, MJ has the highest scoring average in the league all time. You know, you look at a guy that averaged over 30 for the duration of his career. There's a guy that was a 10 time scoring champ, a guy that when we look at the totality of stuff, even awards and stuff, one in some cases, with the, the additional years LeBron has had, he still is chasing MJ in some categories. MJ has five MVPs. He has six finals MVPs. MJ won a defensive player of the year. Like, MJ's, you know, legacy, you know, LeBron does have the cumulative, like, okay, this is going over 19, 20 years. He's going to be on the list for the duration. Nobody has had the longevity of LeBron, and that's what's going to ultimately – I believe when it's said and done and when LeBron wraps it up, he will end up eclipsing Kobe on my list. It still will be a fight with MJ. I just think that that guy, MJ, was just different. What he meant to the game, how he took it to the next level. If you even saw the way it looked NBA 75-wise, when MJ came out there, even the crowd in LeBron's place was louder for MJ than they were when LeBron was announced. Like, he just has a different aura about him as a guy. And like I said, when you just go to the basketball floor, five-time MVP, six-time finals MVP, never losing in the finals, you know, rookie of the year, we know that, defensive player of the year, 10-time scoring champ, seven consecutive scoring titles. I mean, MJ is that guy, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, a guy, MJ is going to always be the guy that we're going to feel like it's untouchable. Right, he's gonna always be on top. He just it. gave you facts, man. You still nah, trying to? Can dismiss I say him. my point? Can I say my point? <laughs> Did I say my point? He gave you facts. 
I, I did dismiss his facts, though. Did you, I dismiss did, you did kind of. You was like, that, you're always going to feel like he won't be eclipsed. But he just gave you numbers and stuff. Right. And I'm facts. saying you're going to always feel that MJ can't be touched. That's not That's not, That's not. not false. That's true, right? No. Yeah. I don't feel like it is because he just gave you facts, numbers that you can point. You said you love numbers. He just gave you all the accolades. Saying that is not saying you you feel sorry right. a certain way. No, I'm just saying we're gonna always feel like he can't be touched. But the like, fact I, I feel like if, if I was to say Kobe's better than LeBron, and I'm a fan of his, and I feel like skill-wise he is, but just yeah. numbers-wise, that's me saying that's me going out feeling. But saying that a guy's a six-time MVP, whatever all that yeah. stuff Ramon pointed to, that's not feelings, those yeah. are. Those are things you can tangibly yeah. touch and prove. Like my Kobe right. take is biased. I admit to that. My Kobe right. take is biased. If I were to look objectively, LeBron would be right. on the list above Kobe, me look, looking objectively. Right. But this was my top 10. So with my bias in there is my top 10. It's right. how Kobe was ahead. But the MJ thing, I think if I look personally and objectively, I still got MJ on top. Right. You got MJ at a finished career. You know what I'm saying? You got MJ at a finished career. I'm saying you look I at LeBron. You, that. you got you LeBron that. that's still that's still going. Mm-hmm. You have LeBron that yeah. You you the first thing you guys talk about when it comes to Kobe and Michael Jordan is how many points they scored and all that stuff. You were looking at LeBron and what how he touched the game. Besides just the scoring, I understand that you're gonna talk about defense. He did have defense. Got it. Cool. But I'm just saying as far as rebounding, <laughs> right? As far as rebounding, as far as assists. And when you talk about GOAT, it becomes more than just touching the game as leading the league, 10-time scoring, as you yeah. mentioned, having the highest average, all that stuff that equates to points. LeBron still passed Michael Jordan in points. You know what I'm saying? He still has more assists than LeBron than Michael Jordan would ever have. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. look at skills, you look at blocks, you look at – uh, overall touching well, the game. Uh, let's not say oh. steals because if we going steals – Point for point and all that. MJ definitely is a is a above LeBron from a standpoint of we looking at average wise. Of course, LeBron oh, is gonna pass okay. him from a longevity wise. standpoint. Okay. Obviously, but we gotta look at like things in a sample size and like and, and what the the true impact was game in, game out. Like I think sometimes too, when we look at numbers, we do get a little bit of skew by the fact that okay, LeBron would average what seven rebounds for his career. Okay, MJ averaged six. Like, that's one different rebound per game. You know, I know that adds up over time, but if we look at it on a per-game basis, MJ averaged six rebounds per game for his career. You know, he averaged five assists, and that's playing in the triangle that really isn't friendly. Well, let me say for a good portion of his career. He didn't play his whole career in the triangle. But played in the triangle for a good portion of his career that's not friendly to guards from an assist standpoint. MJ had times in his career where he averaged eight assists a game. He had a finals where he averaged 11 assists. Don't get me wrong. LeBron is a better passer than MJ, so I'm not trying to say that regard. But I think that sometimes when we we look at it, too, we just look and think, okay, we just look at MJ in the scoring vacuum, and we just look at him as a scorer. MJ could do it all as well, too. Now, will I say that I will give you that, okay, LeBron is a better passer than MJ, I believe that his size lends to him being able to rebound better. When you when you account for size difference, one rebound that's different per game is not a game changer for me. So, you know. I, I'm just looking at overall tomato, numbers. Tomato, huh? tomato, I'm tomato. looking at overall numbers, and I'm yep. just saying LeBron has passed him and everything. To me, that makes him the GOAT. Whether that's because he had a longer career or not, that's a credit to LeBron James. Everybody ain't doing that every time. And so I just feel like you can't look at the picture just truly just through numbers either. Like numbers don't numbers can fool you and lead you in the wrong way. But that's neither here nor there. I thought the biggest saying was numbers don't lie. I could be but, wrong, but but they do kind of at times, bro. We, yeah, we know that wrong. that's the saying, but they, they do kind of <laughs> at times. And I mean, I can't I can't knock you. Like when it comes to those guys, at the end of the day. We know that speaking objectively is going to come down to those guys. My and he's Kobe on take, my, he's on my, my, yeah, my Kobe take is biased, and nobody's going to take that bias away from me in my personal list. But objectively, we know it's going to come down to those two guys. At the end of the day, I do feel that it may be 
kind of a toss here and there, especially as time goes on. But for me personally, I don't think I will ever have LeBron over MJ. I just personally don't think I ever will. Yeah, he got a little bit more time. He got a little bit more. I'll see how he finished out his career, whatever. But it's a good debate. We could debate this forever. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you for rocking with the opinionated bench warmers. Uh, we are going to get out and out of here. Make sure that you follow us on over underscore bench warmers on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. And you can find us on the radio in New Orleans and Baton Rouge Markets, 99.1 FM. As a part of the Simply Simone show, there is a segment every Thursday, 9 to 12, where you can find opinionated bench warmers. So we thank you for continuing to support us and rock with us. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Later.